0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Link to the Cast 2016. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am every week by the RPG wunderkind, Brian McNamara. Brian, how are you? I'm good. But this isn't any normal podcast, it's a very special occasion because we are joined live via satellite by the ghost of Mark Robinson.
1: Ashes to ashes, funk to funky, we know Major Tom's a junkie, strung out in heaven's high, hitting an all-time low.
0: It's nice to be back. How's it going? Not too bad, Mark. You literally have just flown in this morning, like mere hours before we recorded.
1: That's how dedicated I am to the cast.
0: <laughs> you heard we we heard you heard we needed help, you flew all the way back from China for so us, we appreciate well, it.
1: Well, I have some uh opinions on your top three game of the year list that you boys managed to put together. Oh. And uh and So I you've felt- come to write her wrong. <laughs> I feel like I needed to come back to a country of a stable internet connection and, and right these wrongs and write your sins Talk but, to me <laughs> Well, I mean I'm sure <laughs> that if I put the hours in um, I will would be able to discuss uh, a fair and balanced view on why Metal Gear Solid 5 is probably a good game and also for uh, Witcher 2, please um, but we all know that even without me playing it, that uh, Super Mario Maker is the game of 2015. Uh, and that the other two, uh, you know, probably Rocket League, number three. Uh, I can't actually remember what the hell I played last year. But it was an interesting... I, the, the podcast itself, I enjoyed. I thought the the bounce between the three of you was flowing like wine. And uh, it, so it got me through many a journey through... Uh, Chengdu's horrific uh, traffic issues. Um, no, in all seriousness, uh, can I just say that, uh, Brian, you have taken the reins of this podcast while I've been gone, and it's been a delight to listen to, and all I can do is direct this podcast back to the grinding halt that
0: it was before I left. Oh, you. Don't inflate his ego, I won't be able to get out of the house. Just um, because other people treat me nice, David. <laughs> <laughs> i got to bring it back down to earth, Brian. got to bring it back down to earth. Um. So yeah, Mark, you're back. Hopefully, uh, full time on the podcast when whenever you can spare your time. Um.
1: But believe me, my life is not exactly uh, <laughs> filled to the brim with anything to do at the moment.
0: And you know, in in spite of your wrongness uh, about our top three, we'll still uh, we'll still oblige by having you on. Yeah, but, of uh, <laughs> uh, It is just,
1: like part of my podcast, after all. Jeez.
0: Uh, I suppose. I suppose if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> um. So but what it, about
1: the people, Mark? What about the poor people, the oleoliers with the plastic hammers? What about them? I smite them with my hammer of uh, Oriental justice.
0: Yeah, how's the jet lag working there, buddy?
1: Uh, it's not great. It's the,
0: the when you is, right, when I'm you sorry. start fading mid comeback. It's uh...
1: <laughs> and well, against me happened. of all people like, <laughs> yeah. that, that that happens regardless. But yeah, the plan was I was gonna. I had two um, eight-hour plane journeys, uh, Chengdu to Abu Dhabi and Abu Dhabi to London. And uh, my plane left Chengdu at half eight in the evening. So I thought, right, I will I will stay awake through the entirety of that flight, and then I'll sleep for the eight hours um, from Abu Dhabi to London. So I arrive in London at about seven o'clock in the morning, sleep for eight hours. That should kind of get me on my way to adjusting my body clock. Um, first part of the journey was fine. Um, I basically watched all of Wrestle Kingdom Nine. Um, I played a bunch of games, and and I was good to go. Um, I basically jumped off my plane, got on my next one. I slept for about thirty five minutes, and then stayed awake for the rest of the fucking journey. And nothing, come hell or high water, was getting me back to sleep. Uh, and so I've been awake for a, a number of hours that I don't really want to calculate right now. Uh, so basically. All the hours all the hours so we're gonna get this show done i'm gonna try and get through it without being what i usually am when i do this show and then i'm gonna sleep all the, the delicious sleep that i can possibly get my hands on
0: well it's our first podcast of 2016 and it is great to have you back Mark. but um thanks what have we been doing since the break uh, we kind of we we recorded our podcast took two weeks off um i was up in belfast uh, that was how i started my 2016 off took a trip up to belfast um, belfast is one of my favorite places to go and up there um i went to this magical place that is um one of these uh, fabled fast food joints you hear about on the internet so much i went to five guys uh brian you've never had five guys before have you well nope. not in your Thank
1: not in your, you not your public either. life anyway
0: um five guys any experience
1: I am a fan of the Five Guys experience. My plan was when I got off the plane, I was going to order a Domino's pizza to my nearest Five Guys establishment,
0: <laughs> doing it like a boss. Oh yeah, respect. Um, yeah, never, I never, I, I knew obviously that it's a, it's a burger place. Uh, knew really nothing else about it. So we walked in. There was one in, the, I think, this is Victoria Square um, shopping center, uh, up on the top floor. Went in you know, kind of naive because we, myself and my girlfriend had never been there before went in, ordered our burgers and we said uh, we'll have uh, regular fries each and the woman at the till said, oh no, no that's not how things work here we said, why? (laughs) And she goes, because a regular fries is enough for three people
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty
0: much We were like, oh, okay and uh, they don't do, like, large drinks they do a regular drink, which is the normal large size you would get in most places Um, So it's American Portions and they don't, basically, yeah, and they don't fuck about with kind of fancy names for burgers or anything like that. There is the cheeseburger, the hamburger, there is the bacon cheeseburger, and that is about it. Then there's little versions of each one of those. So I got myself the bacon cheeseburger because I'm not a fucking idiot. Um, And yeah, I am uh, I am converted. It, it was one of the greatest burgers I have ever had. Um, the, the fries, uh, I am told it was an exception rather than the rule. The fries were... Poisonously salted, like I did. They
1: did they uh, in that section They have the option for the Cajun fries.
0: They did. I had no idea what they were because they don't describe them fucking anywhere. Um, so we had just gotten regular fries. It was our first time, so we went regular fries. What What do the Cajun fries entail?
2: Sure um, Baton Rouge comes and serves them to you. Ah, oh, damn it!
1: They they basically taste like all my hopes and dreams.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's a strong endorsement. They should have that on the box.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're a good time. They're they're a real good time.
0: Yeah, uh, so that was that. Like, apart from kind of, um, Five Guys and... Because we've kind of, we'd we'd already seen all that. We've been up there four or five times now at this point. So we've seen all the kind of the, the touristy stuff. Um, like, t- all the Titanic shit and and, st- and the kind of the bus tour and stuff like that. So apart from that, like, there was just, um, a lot of browsing around shopping centres and shit done. Um... Uh, but anything else? No, not really. Um, I spent an obscene amount of money getting the complete Fireside, uh, comic books. Um, what do you even call them comic books? But comic strips in the Forbidden Planet up there, and found for my girlfriend's brother, found a Rick a Rick Flair Funko Pop, which was amazing. He even had a tiny robe. It was fantastic. <laughs> um. Other than that, not, nothing really. Brian, you saw a film last night and I didn't respond to you because usually within the minutes following you seeing a film is when you're most likely to inadvertently spoil something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So would you like to take a calm and measured and spoiler-free uh, approach to reviewing The Revenant for us?
2: Um. No.
0: Because
2: <laughs> I don't trust myself. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's it's a really good film. Um, if you've seen the trailer, you get enough of a gist of what it's all about. It looks incredibly pretty. I be usually surprised if it doesn't win Best Cinematography anyway uh, at Les Oscars. Um, I don't know if Leonardo DiCaprio is if, if there's going to be his Oscar picture because it's not all. It's a it's a it's a fairly in terms of quality performance it's a fairly good shared effort by him hardy and um donald gleason so i think i've been having this conversation with a few people as unspoilery as possible but i think it's um it's not any or not movie it's a it's
0: it's an ensemble movie yeah it's a in real... which he is like he is like by a margin the lead in
2: Boy, I, in that technically the story is his story his character story yeah. but again like it, it's not like Wolf of Wall Street where it, it's all about his performance and it's all about him yeah. it's a much more balanced kind of uh, thing I think it's a good show for Best Picture definitely
0: for Best Cinematography but I
2: don't think it's going to net him the Oscar this year
0: uh, just looking up against his uh, his competition there he's got uh, Brian Cranston and Trumbo which I haven't seen uh, Matt Damon in the Martian. Yet. Matt Damon in the Martian. Have you seen that, Brian? You saw the nope. Martian, did Have you not? Oh, I thought nope. you did. Uh, Fast Bender and Steve Jobs, which um, I didn't. In, uh, I did and didn't enjoy the film. Um, but Michael Fassbender was fantastic, and Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl could be his year. That's not like it's not the most competitive year he's had.
2: Well, you see, the the thing about it is, I'm kind of balancing having not seen any of the others really um, at all, um, and having just seen this, I'm balancing kind of the notion of kind of what I've said about the performance in it uh, to the fact that all of the others, bar the Martian, and I don't think Damon's going to do it, but all the others are biopics about quite important, famous people, yeah, and I think that's pure Oscar fodder,
0: yeah. Uh,
2: Considering who they are, and I mean, like you're looking at the idea that, like you know, okay, Eddie Redmayne plays a render person, Fastburner plays Steve Jobs, like the fucking Steve Jobs, and, um, Cranston is Trumbo, and I mean, you could argue that okay, is this Hollywood ch- chance to right a very old wrong? And say, listen, we'll honor Trumbo rather than Cranston. Yeah. I
0: think,
2: I think, I think it's it's gonna just considering that what the film is, the Revenant. I think it's gonna be a stiff field for him to beat. Hmm. it's not like I put I put like this if you took Wolf of Wall Street and plonked it down in that field I ought to wipe the floor with the rest of them but this movie is not Wolf of Wall
0: Street and this performance is not his Jordan Belfort it's a whole nother beast okay fair enough uh, I saw over the break I saw The Hateful Eight um, which is again trying to be spoiler free it is pretty fucking good I really really like that film I like it a whole hell of a lot I like everybody, pretty much everybody that was in it so I knew I was going to enjoy it and I enjoy the works of Quentin Tarantino um and the work of Ennio Morricone as well, who did the soundtrack for that film. Um, it is kind of it is much like a lot of Tarantino's work, it's not for everybody. Um I think it's a pretty good indicator that if you liked Django, you'll like this. Think of it as like a sister movie or like something that would be in a double bill with Django. So if you kind if you like kind of the feel of Django and what's happening there. Um, you probably will enjoy this but I think Brian I remember reading something about how this was originally supposed to be a sequel to Django or or a novella about Django but he removed Django because it just didn't work with the character Mm. um, at some point uh, in kind of the early writing stages so that would make sense uh, that it kind of like at least the tone of it seems to match Django a bit but yeah really good movie Uh, and then I suppose the last thing that happened over the break and the biggest thing of all is that everybody died
1: yeah, that was the thing, wasn't
0: it? It's been a real rough couple of weeks, guys. So, like, right after Christmas and Stevens' day, I think it was, uh, Lemmy from Motorhead died, which was kind of... Uh, as that, myself and that,
1: Ma- Not as any, like, too much of a shock at this point, really.
0: Yeah, as myself and Mark said, it was sad, but at the same time, based on the way he lived his life, he probably outlived his life expectancy by about 40 years. Um, he had a good run. Yeah, he'd had a pretty good run. Um, and then this week, the double <laughs> kind of punch to the stomach that was David Bowie and Alan Rickman Um, this week sucked guys I've been listening to Bowie pretty much on a loop on Spotify or on kind of the CDs I have all week Um, and I can't quite bring myself to like watch uh, the, the, the idea I had when Rickman died was to like go back and watch the Harry Potter movies again but as I said to Mark off the air I was like I don't think I could go through Snape dying spoilers Snape dying because that would be a bad time for everybody um, uh, you should do what I did I went and watched Galaxy Quest you did you did watch Galaxy Quest the night, uh, the night it happened um, and we have promised Mark that uh, we won't watch Die Hard until we see him fucking right in fairness um, uh, what's,
2: the, what's, what's the rule now on, sh- on uh, Robin Hood can we watch that Mark or do you want us to wait for that for you as well
1: Um, I can give or take Um, I mean if you want to watch that and then want to watch it again when I'm there cool
0: cool yeah i want to watch dogma again as well oh yeah his metatron is amazing enough
1: (laughs) yeah i i was uh i was very upset about the bowie one because not to get uh too much into a cool story bro type scenario but like kind of growing up you know like i wasn't really sure about myself as a person who wanted to be what i wanted to look like and kind of uh bowie was kind of one of those people that was just basically just doing his own thing and you know speaks out to you man speaks out with his hair and and the outfits and his personas and obviously the music is incredible uh so you know just uh, there's a reason that many many people were you know genuinely upset by his uh his unfortunate departure from this earthly realm because boy was he talented uh and yeah yeah yeah, really upset about that one
0: yeah pretty heartbreaking like kind of the same as yourself it was bowie was one really when i started getting a taste for music was one of the very first kind of people outside like the first few bands i'd started listening to he was one of the kind of the my my early explorations into the wider kind of history of music Um, he was one of the first big uns that i came across uh, like around the same time that i discovered the likes of pink floyd and stuff like that and kind of just fucking been mad about his stuff ever since like and it was yeah like he's just one of these people that you in the back of your head because his career went on for so long and because like as pretty much every obituary about him said like he really wasn't of this earth at all ever you know what I mean he didn't seem human he didn't seem real Um, in the best possible way uh, it n- always felt like Bowie would always be there even if he wasn't like making music he would always be there you know what I mean yeah of course
2: you guys were lucky. I had been, you know, from the country. I had to wait until I got to college and discover what, in hindsight, is probably the saddest drinking game of all time. Roxanne? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like Roxanne, but it's uh, with Space holiday. Oh, yeah? You drink every time he says Major Tom, which is a slow starter but when you think about it. Yeah. As it gets on, you're, you're picking up a bit of pace there. But that was kind of like... I knew who was and I heard boy before, but that was the point where I kind of went, you know, okay, I should probably listen to more than just this song because this is a really mellow way to play a drinking game before you go out.
0: Yeah, because like everybody, as we were talking about earlier on with Mark, like everybody knows the the hits and stuff like that. But like a deeper dive into his catalogue, this is as good a time as any to do it. And I would recommend it to anybody to look up like the Berlin trilogy and stuff like that. Like, he has... Outside the hits, he has like some absolutely great stuff that doesn't get nearly as much airtime. Um, obviously, but uh, look, <laughs> let's leave the obituaries behind for now. Anyway, and let's talk. Free
1: podcast, I can feel it. Oh.
0: <laughs> Let us talk about some games finally.
1: Yeah, YouTube boys also need you. You, you need to get your uh, your uh, words failing me. Carry on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this week I beat Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, sort of
1: <laughs> is that a thing you can actually do uh
0: the game ends twice uh oh. so what happens is there's uh the main arc of the game um that i don't think it's merely being spoilery because the game's been out for months but the the arc that involves you kind of chasing down uh this guy Skullface who appeared uh in ground zeros so the arc with him ends and kind of like ends pretty good it's a a nice spectacle and stuff like that and a fucking bastard hard final boss Um, credits roll everything like that and then it says coming in chapter 2 and gives a really cool kind of um, almost like a teaser trailer and then you're kicked into chapter 2 where a lot of different things are happening, but it seems like uh, I'm going to take a break before I go back to it because the difficulty level seems to go through the fucking roof after that first set of credits because two of the first three missions that are unlocked for me involve, um, one of them involves, um, the only way to complete the mission is to not even be spotted once and the other one, the only way to complete the, or sorry, the only way to go through the mission is to be dropped in with no gear at all so like any weapons you need or anything like that you have to pick up on site um so like that's gonna immediately like it's an interesting challenge like considering like the game was challenging enough uh getting through to the point i am but uh it's kind of interesting that they're doing something different uh difficulty wise after the game kind of almost like a new game plus um
2: what you're saying is was pointless me buying this game because i'm just not gonna have a good time
0: (laughs) uh no you definitely will um you definitely will and like I for all I know they aren't that difficult it's just reading the mission briefings make them sound like it's a like it's a bit of an ask um we'll find out because I will get into it soon enough um another game I've been playing this week on Brian's advice and it was reduced in the January sales on the PlayStation Network which helped tremendously I bought Mad Max um the game which Brian you sort of gave a glowing review to but at the same time not
2: the stuff I liked about it I really fucking liked and then there was just so many niggling little things that just made you want to hate it and tried to ruin it for you real hard but for me like I could still see the things I loved about it I felt like it was kind of looking back now with some fresh eyes and I've been, I played a little bit of it there during the week kind of inspired by you playing something to go back in and mess around a bit but like it feels like they got three quarters of a really good game in there. Yeah. And then kind of freewheeled for a bit. Um like they're just you know, it's a WB game, like it's it's very similar in a lot of ways to Arkham and to Shadow and Mordor especially. Um and like the stuff that they do do in that template, they do it very well and very confidently. It's incredibly pretty and all that. But I've talked about this already
0: before, Dave. What do yeah. you What did you think of um, it? Um, in a word, grand. Um, it's okay. It's not um it's not reinventing the wheel. Like you said, it's a WWE game, so if you've played like some of the Batman games or if you played uh, Shadow of Mordor and because as well it's uh, an avalanche game, so if you've played Just Cause, um the Game doesn't handle entirely dissimilar to any of those games. Um, at the same time, like even though you think like some like if you try to create a Venn diagram uh, of a game that's somewhere in between Shadow of Mordor, Batman, and Just Cause, that sounds fucking amazing. Um, it's it's not that great. Like it's good, but not great. Um, it's certainly something to do. It it kills time. It's fun. Uh, it doesn't require uh, like. Oh, I think it's the perfect antidote to Metal Gear Solid where I was having to pay attention all the time to make sure I wasn't fucking things up Um, to now like this game is unless the difficulty curve really fucking goes through the ceiling in the next few hours uh, I'm finding it quite easy so far Um, the combat and the car controls handle a, a bit looser than I would like um, you kind of you're spoiled with Shadow of Mordor and with Batman and having this really incredible tight uh, hand-to-hand or melee weapon combat, uh, that isn't necessarily there in Mad Max. It's the same kind of system. The buttons are mapped the same and everything like that. But it just there's something about it that like you are more prone in the middle of fighting a huge amount of enemies to just punch look, them in the air. Yeah, to punch thin air and look incredibly stupid even though, like, on, if you had done that exact same kind of uh, motion on your control uh, with either of those other games, you would have, like, got a shot spot on. It's just something to do with the locking on to enemies and that just doesn't work quite well for me. Um, Same with the car combat. I was expecting the way you were talking about it, that I was going to hate the car combat a lot more because I was... I was hearing people who were comparing it to watchdogs where, like, I remember playing, uh, driving cars in Watch and handle handled, like, I was driving a car made out of fucking lead. Um, it just dragged, and just didn't feel right at all. Um, what it feels like is... <sighs> Not quite as good as uh, handling cars in Grand Theft Auto, but not a million miles off either. It's just, again, it's a bit looser than I would like. I can't take corners um as tight as I would prefer, and I don't feel as confident going top speed that I won't, like, flip the car and explode. Um, But other than that, yeah, no, it's fine so far. The story mode, um, it's not really grabbing me all that much, no, but, like, the... It's kind of like Just Cause in that way, that it's kind of the, the stuff you do around the world and the, the fun you have just beating the holy shit out of people. Uh, like I told you, uh, I did a, a shiv finisher on somebody where I stabbed them in the neck so hard I put them horizontally through a wall. Uh, a clip that I, I need to share uh, on YouTube very soon. But um, yeah, no, it's fine. It's uh, like it's like I like it a lot more than I thought I did. That I thought I was going to, should I say, but it's definitely not. Um, I'll put it this way, if I had played it a couple of months ago, it wasn't going to be making it into Game of the Year by any stretch of the imagination either. Oh, no, definitely not. Uh, and the other game I uh, have been playing is what is going to be Mark Robinson's new favourite game once he gets to play it. Uh, Fast Racing Neo. Uh huh.
2: Oh, Wipeout 2016? On
0: the Wii U. The, the game that is so F-Zero and Wipeout, it's unbelievable that they have not been sued yet. Like everything about that game is wipe out an F-Zero. You've seen some of it, Mark, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like, and I suppose like we complained on this show before about how like just people, there's a, there's definitely like a base of people, a base of Nintendo users out there who really want a new F-Zero game and we're just never going to get it. So I suppose at least that this is allowed to exist is fantastic. Um, Like, ugh everything about it like it is so unbelievably fast and difficult Um, and there's like once you beat the game it's kind of like they got the same kind of cups and um, unlock structure to, like, a Mario Kart or something like that, where, like, there are a bunch of cups, you unlock the next cup by beating, you know, you unlock Cup 2 by beating Cup 1, that sort of thing. And by, you know, getting different achievements, you unlock different models of car. Now, it isn't quite as customizable, it doesn't look like, as uh, Mario Kart 8, where you're able to change in and out, um, like, parts of the car and stuff like that. It just kind of, like, I think there's three three different stats like speed or top speed acceleration and handling or something like that um and they kind of just vary between the different cars depending on what your preference is um but it is a lot of fun like i said it's very very difficult um it looks really like you saw it brian you saw me in action playing it Mm -hmm. and you couldn't believe it was on the wii u yeah oh yeah uh it looks fantastic the fucking music is tremendous um, it is like again it's very kind of F-Zero or Wipeout sort of um, like electronic music and it, it's just fantastic there's something very 80s about it as well the music um, I, don't, I can't quite put my finger on it but uh, yeah that's that's a game that I think is going to get played a lot here when we have the Wii U downstairs and there's a few people around um, and it's one that I like. I won't tire of anytime soon it's good to have a reason uh, apart from Mario Maker to crack out the, the Wii U every now and then Um Brian, we'll shift to you because I've been talking way too long. Um, give us a. Do you have a Fallout Four update since before Christmas?
2: Um, well, it's like you know, um, pretty much more the same. Like same old, same old. Like it's still I kinda I'm doing my thing where I'm not really progressing in the story. I'm just kind of going around doing all the side quests I can find, building up my character, and you know, doing my my RPG thing. Um only real thing that sticks out and it's a it's a real specific nitpick but uh, the cool ballistic weave thing whereby you can upgrade uh, regular bits of clothing to cool massive armor stats and that and it's hugely restrictive to what types of clothes you can apply it to I really want that patch so that I can put it on other things because I have a cool bomber jacket I want the ballistic weave and I can't so fix that Bethesda
0: please um, well other than that not really you've been you've, you've been kind of cooling off you've not been playing it as much uh, in no the I've, been kinda,
2: I've been kind of I've been kind of dancing around playing a few other things kind of with my work schedule over Christmas I didn't really have a lot of 3-4 hours to sit down and play it and that Yeah.
0: so I was kind of it's not really the game you dip in and out of for 20 minutes half an hour no you can but you feel you will feel like you've accomplished absolutely nothing Yeah. Um, dude I've played it for 3 hours at a time and felt like I have accomplished nothing <laughs> Um, so I can understand people coming in for why you would not want to do it in short bursts. Yeah, you're not um, selling it to me. <laughs> um, The other game you've been playing, and you'll be so proud of Brian for this one, Mark, you have been dipping into Rocket League, Brian. Yeah. Uh, we we recorded our Game of the Year podcast, and we, myself and Jack bigged up Rocket League, as, as you should do. Um, And that night, the kind of thought festered away at Brian. It was that night, wasn't it? Yeah, And I woke up in the morning, turned on the PlayStation, as I often do on my days off, and went into my activity feed, and it was just a wall of Brian getting trophies in Rocket League. I knocked
2: up about 60% of the trophies in the game.
0: (laughs) Uh, Tell us about your Rocket League experience, because myself and and, uh, Mark are well-versed in that world at this point.
2: I very briefly kind of dabbled in it. Like, I'd played a, a couple of quick kind of test things and that just to kind of see what it was like when it first came along and you were freaking out about it. And I did like it, but it was kind of like, oh, come back to that. It's technically a sports game. There's not a whole lot to it And that. Like, yeah, it looks cool and it's great that it's doing really well because it's kind of an indie game and that. So I went in and I was like, I hope it was this, about 11 o'clock, half, half 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I said, I try, I'll play a bit as I don't really feel like sitting down into something heavier that, like, so I'll play a little bit. And I went in to do season mode. Um, our tournament like so I said right I just kind of like one to pay attention just pressing X all the way through and I realised oh shit I've signed up for a full 27 game season Um, <laughs> but see the kicker is I didn't realise that kind of initially until about 4 or 5 games in and then I was kind of like ah oh, sure I'll just I'll, I'll play it for a bit like and you know sure I'll turn it off and I'll get bored when it's time to go to sleep because I had work in the morning and then I looked at my watch and it was half 4 in the morning
0: Rocket League will do that to you son
2: yeah so but yeah I I rocked about 60% of the trophies in that one kind of thing so I was kind of like I had I think about 8 games left by the time I realised and I was just like I shouldn't really but I really want to finish the tournament and so I did I stayed up and finished the whole thing and I was champion of my little uh, bot tournament and it was great fun
0: with my team the Barracudas it's just one of those games Mark isn't it where you just like hours will disappear into it
1: yeah, I like. Um, the thing is, even if you play five games in a row and you lose all five of them, it's just it's one of those. It's one of those very few multiplayer online multiplayer games where I never feel a sense of frustration, even if I'm losing, um, and I can't quite put my well. Partly because there's no grenades that can be thrown by fucking fourteen-year-old boys. Um, <laughs> but it just—I don't know. It's just—it's got a flow. It's got a vibe to it, um, and you can kind of just—it's just fun. Just kind of nip around the track. Just kind of one mindlessly driving around. Um, <laughs> like the car car's just so fun and easy to control, uh, and it's kind of fun wow. just
0: to. Oh, I think it's great to control. <laughs> well, yeah? I, but the thing is, like I, you know, it's—it's um, it's easy to like semi competently control to get very good at the game require Like, there is, like, that kind of... It's like with Mario Kart or anything like that. There is kind of another layer to it to get, like, properly proficient at things. That, in that game, uh, like, when you pull off your first kind of, like, flipping bicycle kick with the car into the goal... um, like that just feels incredibly rewarding for putting the time in like i remember i didn't really figure out the jumping mechanics properly for ages on it because i just didn't bother with the tutorials i just went straight in to have as many matches as possible as quickly as possible um but yeah there certainly is that kind of it's one of those games like mario kart where you can pick it up and you can figure out very quickly how to play it but by putting in a bit more time you can figure out all sorts of different little tricks and things to do
2: Let's just say I spent a lot of time driving along the walls, not sure how to get back down again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only you'd been live streaming that. That would have been amazing. Um, Mark, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, A few things. So um, I didn't actually realize I could download anything on Steam while in uh, China um, until uh, my surrogate Irish friend uh, Dylan told me that the Winter Steam Cells were going on and that he was able to download shit. So I downloaded a game called uh, Lisa, the painful RPG, um, which is a game I think would have got a lot more recognition last year if Undertale hadn't come along and sort of stolen all of its thunder. Uh, and so it's, it's a 2D side-scrolling um, RPG made in RPG Maker, and it's one of the most... Surreal slash harrowing experiences I've had playing video games in a while. um, It has a couple of tricks. It does nothing that hasn't been done in uh, (laughs) RPGs before. You know, it has things like characters can be permanently killed off. Um, The story is pretty bleak, takes place in this um, Mad Max esque post apocalyptic world, Um, certainly in the theme and the environments. Uh, there is a a girl who you find uh, and you're kind of this uh, almost like a meth addict Um, he's addicted to this drug called joy um, and you uh, brad find this girl as a baby when she's very young and she's the only girl left in the world Uh, and you kind of bring her up in secrecy uh, and then unfortunately she's uh, captured by uh, some men, and you have to go and find her because you just presume that bad things are going to happen. And it's just, it's a very, very bizarre game. The enemies you fight um, can be anything from a squirrel uh, to a giant sized uh, goose. Um, there is a scene where a, a man is trying to have a spider crawl up his bum because, you know, it's his only way of deriving pleasure in this world. Um, you have a pretty harrowing scene where um, you have to choose between one of the members of your team dying or um, losing uh, one of your limbs uh, and that kind of permanently affects you for the rest of the game Uh, and yeah just it's just a pretty bleak story and like it it doesn't pull any punches Um, it's a game that constantly is fucking you over but it's doing it by by design uh, which still isn't the kind of game that is going to appeal to everyone, but it, it knows this and it, it's not trying to be anything that it, that it isn't. Um, but I've been enjoying it. You know, it's it's nice to just kind of dive into that level of nihilism and, and, and bleakness. Uh, but every now and again, the the soundtrack to one of the fights will turn into something straight out of Parappa the Rapper, um, and it has this moment where it's very funny as well. It's just yeah, it's a really interesting unique experience uh one that i've been enjoying a lot um i've also i started playing tales from the borderlands uh, now i've never really delved too much into the telltale experience as much as everyone including yourself dave uh have kind of um championed the the walking dead season one um but i never cared too much because that style of gameplay didn't do anything for me and also yeah. i'm not as particularly invested in the kind of Walking Dead universe, um, not to say that I'm heavily interested in the Borderlands universe because it's kind of a pretty thin universe, but like just the characters and, and the kind of setting I'm quite interested in. Uh, and also, it was on the Steam sale, so I thought i will give it a shot for seven quid. And I can still say that this isn't my kind of game, which isn't to say that it's a bad game, um, just i don't know uh i feel i mean i'm I'm not too far into it so it's hard to say that the options that i'm making have any weight behind them i'm sure that'll play much more into it as i get further into the game um but that's just kind of heavy quick time event type mechanic just i don't know so what do you uh, say
2: mark is the gameplay more so than maybe the thinness of the story that's getting you on this because if because I'm gonna say, if the gameplay isn't bothering you too much, I'd really be angling you towards Wolf Among Us to the point where I will buy it for you as a welcome to Ireland gift. <laughs> because now I know uh, Dave's more like I know Dave has these issues with would they just fix the fucking engine?
0: Yeah. Telltale um, tam- in general. I will say of the Telltale games I've played so far, uh, Tales from the Borderlands seems to have the least amount of performance issues I've experienced. Um, it hasn't hitched on me half as much as any of the other ones have. But uh, anyway, you were saying, Brian?
2: Like, Tales from Borderlands, for me, having played it, at least some of all of them bar the Minecraft one, is the story I care least about. And I'm quite a fan of the actual full Borderlands games. But um, I got to say, like, Wolf Among Us is the only one i played to completion at this point, And, man... Like, it's, it's the reason, it's really the reason that I, I wouldn't give Borderlands the time of day, uh, from Borderlands the time of day, is just on the strength of Wolf Among Us. It's that, it's that good a game where, you know what you're saying, but you're not sure if your choices have weight around like that, or you fucking know what are doing Wolf Among Us.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, like, I, I definitely think that even if, like, I, I'll come to Wolf Among Us, I, I still know that I won't probably enjoy it as much as some other people do and it's purely based on the type of game it is and i know that my brain is not wide in a way to fully enjoy it um but like i have heard very very good things about the wolf among us so uh, maybe that's probably what my entry point should have been into the series uh maybe
0: maybe oh yeah uh wolf among us and walking dead season one seem to be the two that uh, are pretty much kind of uh people uh, there's a consensus out there that those are the two telltale games that you really have to play if you're going to play them at all. Um, but yeah, I like. I'm enjoying Tales of the Borderlands. Okay, it's not uh, lighting my world on fire at the moment. Uh, I think I'm on episode two at the moment. Um, but um, what I what I have heard is that I think it's from like the midpoint of episode three or something like that that it like it gets absolutely like crazy awesome to the point where. Like episode five, the final episode of this season, Tales of the Borderlands, is considered one of the best like standalone episodes that they have done out of any of their games. So that kind of incentivizes me to play a bit more um, and to get I, through to that.
1: And I was just going to ask as well: is um, is, is the animation uh how do I say uh, as loose um, like with stuff like the lip syncing and just the general kind of movements of the characters? Is it as loose as it is as it is in Tales of the Borderlands as it is in uh, any of the other games?
2: It's more or less kinda of the same. Like it's it's a fairly level playing field in terms of the graphics. Yeah. Um and the gameplay kinda of, um I like think about Tales of the Borderlands kinda of, I like hopped right into it liking the Borderlands games and that and I kinda of felt it was the closest one to being a cash in, having played Wolf Among Us Walking Dead and um Game of Thrones. And it was kind of like you know, and as I haven't gotten far enough as they were saying to that point where apparently it picks up big style, but um, yeah, no, I'm like I'm going to continue with it as I am with all the other ones, but it's it's not right up the top of my to continue lists.
0: Yeah, like uh, there is a lot of it early on um, in that first episode that is kind of just going, hey, isn't Borderlands awesome? Borderlands is awesome. You should go back on the store and buy Borderlands and play that as well because Borderlands is awesome, guys. Um, Here's
2: Patrick Warburton to tell you how awesome Borderlands is. Yeah, that's there.
0: There is a lot of that feel to episode one. Um, but like I said, I'm going to hold off on my final judgment until I've uh, blitzed through the whole thing, which I do intend on doing at some stage. Um, you've one more game you've been playing, Mark, in your on your sabbatical.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean that's like it's a game I've played before, and like I've fucking interviewed the the developer before, and like I know a lot about it. Uh, but Thomas was alone. Like, it's a really uh simple platformer. I'm a man who enjoys his platformers. Uh and it's nice just to kind of dive back into that environment. Um it's got a it's got a pretty immersive experience. You know, you just kinda of stick some headphones on the soundtrack is really, really effective. I think it won a BAFTA actually for the soundtrack. Um and it's just it's just a really kind of nice, simple uh, immersive experience to get yourself in, and the fact that uh, Mike Biffle managed to get some pretty engaging characters just out of simple squares uh, is kind of a testament to him. And I still haven't played uh, his new game, Volume, yet. But um, yeah, Thomas was alone. It's just a really kind of simple platformer. there's nothing too challenging in the mechanics. It's not like a kind of super meat boy of the world. Um, but yeah, it's just been nice just kind of going back over that again. Um, so yeah, Thompson's alone. If you never played that, give that a, give that a crack.
0: It is on the PlayStation Store for PS4. I have it certainly it. is. Um, so yeah, check that out uh, on Mark's very strong recommendation there. Um, so I suppose uh, with that out of the way, we know what we've been playing this week. Uh, let's move on for the first time in 2016 to see what's in the news. News on the mark! So we kicked off this year with the what seems like the annual uh, PSN shit fit. Um, last year it was actually on Christmas Day which was incredibly well timed. Um, you know it was just the day where the little kids they're opening their presents, they're ready to go they've got like a download code for something and they want to go and all of a sudden no, hackers have decided to take down the PSN that was last year um, this year the whole thing was it New Year's Day Brian or thereabouts?
2: there thereabouts I think
0: yeah um, it just completely shed itself died uh, it was gone for about 24 36 hours or something like that was it about that yeah it was around the time myself and Brian had made what we called a, like a, a suicide pact that I'd agree to buy Mad Max and try it if he'd agree to buy Metal Gear Solid and try, try it and literally as we agreed to do that and went off to our separate rooms to try and sort that out and pay for the games PlayStation wouldn't let us give them our money um so that was kind of uh, frustrating it it feels like um it wouldn't be a calendar year without the psn um having a meltdown at some point um, i got my
2: free day back
0: yeah we got emails this week saying we get because of the interruption to the service we get an extra day on our ps plus subscriptions which i suppose is the very least they can do and at least it wasn't um the kind of um Massive security breach that they had in 2011. Uh, nor was it the um, I don't know if either of you guys followed the story about what happened with the Steam store on Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, where uh, the Steam store was just randomly spitting out other people's account information if you tried to access uh, the store on Steam, which is fantastic, and that's exactly what you want to hear from um, someone that uh has your credit card details or your PayPal details stored on it. Um, but yeah, uh. I don't know why would it's...
1: anyone ever put their details on any machine ever
0: I know this is uh, the thing that finally persuaded me to move to PayPal was like at least they only have an email address Um, but anyway um, I really don't like it's, it's barely news really when the PSN caves in like that like it, it does go down for maintenance a fair bit it is fairly annoying that in 2016 we still don't have um, a reliable service but um, what can you do really um. next again it wouldn't be a calendar year without games getting delayed uh, the two heavy hitters that have been delayed so far Uncharted has been delayed but by just about a month so that's coming out at the end of April now instead of I think March 16th was the the date in fairness to him Colin Moriarty kind of funny Um, he was saying I think for months now at this point that there was no fucking way Uncharted was hitting March 16th as a release date Um, and he was correct yeah so delayed for another month that's kind of annoying but um i have plenty to get through in my backlog what are your your guys thoughts was it kind of inevitable that uncharted would be delayed again or is it kind of i don't know what do you guys think
2: like, i'm no longer surprised when an gets delayed at this stage any kind of big entertainment product being a being a film or a game or a tv show like it's just yeah. like i don't at this point you'll learn just not to believe initially like when they say oh it's coming this time it's it's gonna be it's gonna be in six months it's gonna be in two weeks it's gonna be whatever like you know especially like the longer they tell you in advance when it's gonna be the less likely it's gonna be
0: yeah um i think the only one that i can think of in recent times that announced a date and then fucking hit that date was fallout but you could maybe argue that for some performance issue reasons maybe they should have delayed it a little bit um to to be honest
1: like i haven't paid attention to uh, any kind of press release for a game and the date they announce um, in the longest amount of time because it, it is the kind of case that games either are delayed or they come out when they are meant to come out and then they're horrifically horrifically broken or a day one patch of like ten gigs. Um, yeah, I I I don't um, kind of take notice of a game coming out until I have Stephen Burns screaming down uh youtube at me telling me a game is shit or not shit uh yeah. that is kind of my point of okay this game is actually out now
0: uh yeah um i will say of the two i would much prefer a game to delay itself a little while and come out working than come out broken and then have to download a massive day one patch or worse wait weeks until it's fixed um like the whole debacle a, a year or two ago with uh, master chief uh coming out and everybody being excited to play the first few Halo games uh, because they really wanted to get back into the multiplayer mode and the one thing that absolutely 100% was not working was the online multiplayer mode Um, so yeah, I'd much prefer a game delays itself for a little while and comes out in some semblance of working order rather than the alternative Uh, the other one that was delayed was that uh, crazy looking um, Dragon game from uh, Platinum, Scalebound that was going to be an Xbox One exclusive that's pushed till 2017 which uh, is significant only in as much as uh, Xbox One has very few exclusives left in the closet for them to throw out like I think that pretty much leaves Quantum Break and Gears of War as the only two console like big console exclusives that are going to be coming out this year um so that's I imagine kind of disappointing for them although I don't know like um you'd be more kind of familiar with Platinum's Fair than I would, Mark. Uh, Is that a kind of game that you reckon would shift units in any sort of uh, measurable degree? No. (laughs) Eloquent in its brevity. Yeah, conclusive. Fair enough. We move on then. Um... VR. This is going to be the year of VR. So uh, no, I go. I would. Well, giant robot no, golf. No, because it is one way or the other, Mark. It's going to be the year where either VR surprisingly succeeds, or it's going to be the year where it crashes and burns, and we're going to be reading about it all the time. No, so, it's
1: it's the year where VR comes out, but it's not the year of VR.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, are you going to pay uh, the uh, the pre-orders went up for Oculus Rift? They're already gone. Already, all the pre-order stock has been uh, accounted for. Uh, $600 at launch for the Oculus Rift headset but uh, fear not because it comes with a, an Xbox One controller and copies of E! Valkyrie and Lucky's Tale. Um, Did they
1: announce a price in euros? Because we got a price in pounds.
0: Uh, 700 euro. Oh good. Oh great. Uh, $849 uh, Canadian as well.
1: <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, so it's um like, do you want to pay that amount of money and then the money that you need to pay on top for a rig to actually play the fucking thing?
0: Yeah.
2: I think I saw somewhere, and I can't remember where, but I saw somewhere that someone was offering bundles of a rig plus the VR gear uh, for something like inside of two grand.
0: Yeah, because if you think about it, like you need a pretty expensive rig to run like proper kind of fucking high res games now. Um, and that's going to set you back the guts of a couple of grand anyway. And then you throw in this $600 headset on top of that.
1: And like, like VR in itself is, um, and video games in general, uh, to to some degree are a form of escapism and there are much cheaper ways of finding levels of escapism. Heroin for instance. Exactly. You can get heroin for fucking a dime a dozen these days. Um, yeah, right here it's, crack it's... is very
2: morish. <laughs>
0: um, um, you Irish can tell me about that. <laughs> the thing was, um, I remember like when people were trying to guess what the price points and stuff were. Some people said like maybe they'll, uh, you know, the not necessarily Oculus, but they were talking about um, the Project Morpheus PSV uh, PlayStation VR uh, in particular. That maybe they'll take the hit um, to reduce the price a little, and it could come out for around three hundred quid. Uh, and to me, even when I heard three hundred quid, I was like, "Yeah, probably not getting that, not for a while." Um, but certainly a uh, six hundred dollars, like fucking seven hundred euro. No, thank you. Like
2: not like not for that price, and certainly not until there is like a top triple A game, probably from a proven franchise.
0: Yeah, but like no, no one, be. no no one wants to be the one that goes first, which is why you have all these. Like, you don't have um anyone committing a huge amount to it right now like they're gonna wait and see how this thing works which is going to be kind of ironic because maybe this thing will fail because there isn't that kind of you know i hate using the term but the killer app um that makes people want to pick it up like i have heard by all accounts that like once you actually put one of these headsets on and try it out like you become converted to the cause um but at the same time it would take an awful lot an awful lot for me to throw up 700 euro and replace my pc um to be able to play it like they need to be putting out like i don't know like call of duty vr really
2: to like guarantee shifting units on that thing like
0: and even then like once yeah. call of duty is still available to play on consoles people be like yeah uh, do you know what mate i'm grand um like there was that thing like uh with valves uh the one the vr set there um throwing their hat in with um there was talk about whether between that or the, when they were doing the steam machines as well as like, will they put half life three on that uh, to force people, force people's hand to um, kind of stump up the cash for it. But uh, look, it's going to be a long time before I'm remotely interested in putting down any kind of money on VR. I'm, I'm telling
1: w- you, I'm telling you right now, simple, simple title, Peggle, the VR experience.
0: <laughs> That's the killer app, is it? It's the killer up, my friend. You've heard it here first. Um, Activision Blizzard has bought Major League Games, the, uh, the eSports titan. Um, they had said last year, Activision and Blizzard, that they were going to get into the world of eSports. And this is the kind of the major move in that direction. They bought it for $46 million, no small chunk of change. Um, eSports, not really a thing I can get my head around because I don't I don't know what it is like I can passively watch sports but for me with gaming there's only a certain degree to which I can passively watch other people gaming without wanting to game myself at some point you know what I mean like it's fine when we're sitting here some night playing Mario Kart or it's fine when I'm watching like a brief live stream Um, or me playing a scary game yeah or you playing a scary game something like that like that's all fine but uh, like the world of competitive esports I don't know it seems like a bridge too far for me Uh, your guys thoughts on it Mark
1: uh, I mean, to start with, uh, the words Activision and Major League Gaming or esports uh, is about as far removed from anything when it comes to gaming I'm interested in. But yeah, I, I I'm kind of a, a similar um, a similar similar notion to you. Um, I do enjoy stuff like the um, awesome games done quick and the summer games done quick, that kind of yeah, stuff. Because yeah. like, I, I'm interested in seeing um people beat games quickly or beat games in unconventional ways or play games in unconventional ways or just break games like it's amazing seeing how many ways the ocarina of time is broken to its very core um and like that shit never gets old but i think part of that as well is the community that that's based around is um just it's just a really good group of people and it's very supportive and um like i never I, I just always come away from that just feeling like a kind of really good about video games. I watch stuff like the esports, and I just think this is just a bunch of twats that I just kind of. When people think about video games, that is what they think of, and I don't like that. Um, so I, I'd have no time for this story, and uh, good for Activision. and um, I hope they lose a lot of money. So yeah. <laughs>
0: To me, it's a whole kind of, you know, it takes different strokes to move the world thing. Like, fair play to you if, the, if eSports is uh, something you're interested in or anything like that. But, like, I honestly can't think of anything more dull than watching people, like, competitively play Dota or something like that. Sorry, Brad Shoemaker. Um, but, like, it seems awful. Short of that one uh, short clip that went viral on YouTube of that guy celebrating he'd won some, uh, I don't know if it was Dota or some other eSports. He thought he'd won a match. Oh no, it was uh, some sort of fighting game. Thought he'd won a match, got up, started celebrating. Didn't realize it was only round two. And by the time he got back to his controller, he'd lost. Um, that was terrific fun. Uh, that was great entertainment. But short of that, like it doesn't really kind of float my boat at all. Um, so yeah, the closest I ever got
2: to be interested in esports was
0: that uh, robot boxing movie with Hugh Jackman. Like <laughs> <laughs> that was like, ba- that that movie that was was it Real Steel based on Rock'em yeah, Sock'em yeah. Robots? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. What a reference. Um, PS4, to no one's surprise, was the top selling console in December and 2015 in general. For what? What? Tell me more. Yes. The NPD group released its findings for US console sales for the month of December, and once again, PS4 came out on top. Lifetime sales of the console are now just a fraction under a staggering 36 million units. In a statement, Sony told us this is from IGN, by the way. Uh, To thank fans and partners for making PlayStation 4 the top-selling console in December and in 2015, more than 5.7 million PS4s and 35 million PS4 games were sold through to consumers worldwide during the season, Sony said. Um, uh, wasn't
1: um the xbox on like some major kind of sell over in, like the last quarter or there were some
0: really good sales there were some uh amazon were doing a thing um yeah, where you could, bundles. yeah customizable bundle for it they're la- they have just launched a gamestop have i think um like xbox and any two games bundle um all this kind of stuff um also it's kind of like It's really particularly gutting for Microsoft considering coming into the holiday season they were the only ones with like major console exclusives. Um they had fucking Halo, uh, Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider. I was gonna say And it just did not help. (laughs)
1: That that timed exclusive Tomb Raider deal really works out for the minute.
0: What's it's so sad, like because like I am playing it on my Xbox and it is genuinely one of the best games of last year, but it's just it's dying a death because no one has the fucking console. And no, those and, like, those cause... who those who do aren't playing it because the fucking thing decided they for for some reason beyond my understanding they came out the same week as Fallout. Yeah, let's
1: think. Like it's it's as a timed exclusive I just it seems so redundant because anyone who really wants to play it who has a PS4 and is hearing it so good just okay well I've got enough stuff to keep me playing at the moment or to keep playing at the moment until it comes out next year I just I don't see how it, that's literally me that's
0: yeah. literally me yeah. because I love
2: the last Tomb Raider game I have a Playstation I, I keep getting tempted by an Xbox but I really don't want to shell out 300 quid for yeah. one well I, and...
0: yeah you, you won't until Gears of War probably
2: Maybe we'll see. Um, yeah, maybe. At this point now, it's not so much. I think I can I can get behind shelling out the money for the console, yeah. but it's shelling out the money for another subscription for uh, an online service to pay for the Xbox Gold. Yeah. When I'm already paying for PlayStation Plus to pay for the two at once, is starting
0: to, the concept of it is just kind of sticks in my throat a little bit. Oh, just wait, till the NX comes out and there's a paid subscription for Nintendo as well. That's gonna be a fucking laugh. Um but yeah i don't think it'll uh, like it is kind of like i said particularly gutting for microsoft that they like ps4 managed to be the top selling console in december over the holiday season standing at 36 million units and in terms of like console exclusives uh, aaa console exclusives anyway weren't really even fucking trying all year like the one major one that they had in the back half of the whole year was until dawn and until that game was already released and everyone's like oh, yeah this is actually pretty really like it's really good it was only then that they're like oh we actually have a good game on our hands here because they had really cooled off on promoting that uh, when it switched from a PS3 move game onto PS4 like you saw some posters everywhere but it wasn't like beating you over the head like they were with like destiny uh, yeah. or anything like that Um, so yeah that's that's kind of where PS4 stands still kind of like um, way out in front Um in terms of sales at the moment. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raiders director has left Crystal Dynamics to join Call of Duty developer Infinity Ward as the studio art director. Um, I put this in because it's a it's kind of sad for if Crystal Dynamics proceed to go and make a third one because I really like what they're doing with that franchise. Um like I know Brian really, really loves that first Tomb Raider game, that reboot from a couple of years ago. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh but I absolutely love Rise of the Tomb Raider, and would like to see more of that game. I would like to see what a third game in that franchise would look like. Um, so it's kind of uh, sad. Like, I trust the team at Crystal Dynamics because, like, they really knocked it out of the park with Rise of the Tomb Raider. But the guy, like, the director, the man who was kind of overseeing the whole thing, uh, to see him leave—that's kind of um—that's a bit shit. But um, interesting. Um, that. Infinity Ward picked them up and they're presumably ramping up because it's their turn this year for a Call of Duty game. So um, that might pique my interest slightly because um, the only time I would ever consider getting a game like that was if it had a robust campaign mode. Uh, because I don't dig on uh, like I, playing Call of Duty online um, sounds like uh, a waking fucking nightmare to me. Um. when what was the last Infinity War to Call of Duty? Because like um, I maintain that my going to be of the three series. years ago this year. So not Advanced Warfare. What was the one before that? Ghosts. Ghosts.
1: All right. Yeah. <laughs> Which had a dog.
0: It did.
2: Yeah, Fallout's got a dog. Don't he's a better dog. So.
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, Metal Gear Solid has a dog, and that dog has a fucking eye patch. So. I'll just leave it at that. Speaking of Call of Duty call of duty franchise and this was one that like broke my brain even just thinking about it the call of duty franchise so from call of duty the original all the way up till now has now passed a quarter billion units in lifetime sales um it's kind of one of those things that like it's not surprising considering like it's consistently top of the sales charts for the year Um, there's been like 15 Um, games in the series yeah, uh I think but you got to think about like it wasn't a staggeringly popular game until Modern Warfare really like they were good games people bought them uh but it was Modern Warfare that really started the absolute juggernaut that was Call of Duty. Um like for all we know if Modern Warfare hadn't come along like it might have gone the way of Medal of Honor by now. Oof, um Jesus Christ <laughs> god forbid, you know. But um like I think really um the only year I can the only year I can remember it not being like by a wide margin like the top selling game um over the holiday period was uh GTA the year- 5? GTA 5 yeah. Yeah. Um that's the only year I can think of where GTA 5 became like the was it the the biggest selling uh, entertainment property at all that year and that was the year that like Avengers came out. <laughs> Uh, which is incredible, but uh, yeah, quarter billion lifetime sales. Mark, as a massive fan of Call of Duty, how do you feel about that one?
1: Uh, look, I, I to be fair, I, I do love Modern Warfare, the original. That's uh, Call of Duty Four.
0: It's a good game. Yeah, I like uh, I like the first two Modern Warfare games.
1: Yeah, look, it's there are three things certain in life: death taxes and a Call of Duty game every year or every other year. There used to be uh, four,
0: but Assassin's Creed are taking a year off this year.
1: Yeah, I know, right uh good on them good on them uh I mean, what can be said it's <laughs> can...
0: it's a juggernaut and for any of you kind of uh internet folks who are kind of waiting around like vultures hoping that like this is the year where the sales completely go through the floor you're going to be waiting a while yet i wouldn't hold your breath <laughs> um like there are
1: young girls that will always support their team pop idols there will always be young boys to play
0: their Call of Duty games indeed until something else it's kind of like you know back when we were growing up like everybody got Medal of Honor at Christmas you know what I mean until something came along and killed it but um but you did I had Time Splitters oh I had oh, Age of Empires let's not let's not wax lyrical about Time Splitters we could be here all night <laughs> god damn Time Splitters too. you want to talk about a multiplayer experience I could get on board with uh yeah so that's we'll, we'll leave Call of Duty where it is for now um Half-Life. <laughs> I, That's a thing. I didn't think... Um, I didn't think I'd ever want to give... Uh, speculative Half-Life news... Uh, time of day on this show... but this is actual substantial news. The man who writes... Uh, or wrote, should I say... Uh, Half-Life 1 and 2... has left Valve after 18 years. Mark Laidlaw. Um, he's gone into retirement. Um, so... is this... The, the reason I wanted to put this out there... It already seems like it isn't, but could this be the thing that finally quietens down people and shuts them up about waiting for Half Life Three?
1: Look, is there anyone is there anyone left who genuinely believes that Half Life Three is a thing?
0: At you see, point? in my head I said no. But then, at the same time, when I was looking up um, a version of this story that I could read out on the air if necessary, one of the things that came up—if you Google news search—Half uh, Life is a, I think, a Daily Mirror article from two days ago that says Half Life Three is confirmed. <laughs>
1: yeah, right next to the Illuminati is rule, etc. Et yes, and then like
0: a massive comment thread, and I'm sure Reddit is. I'm I'm sure there's a subreddit somewhere about Half-Life 3 I'm absolutely sure of it and I'm absolutely sure that I will never ever want to go there
2: I I, I just think it's going to be it's going to be like another it's going to be like Duke Nukem in another couple of years everybody's going to stop caring about it and in another couple of years beyond that again Valve are going to try and drum up interest in Valve in general and so there's going to be rumours and controlled rumours and talk of Half-Life 3 and then when we're in our 40s They'll try and do Half-Life 3 and it'll be like Duke Nukem forever.
0: Well, it, I, I, don't, I,
1: I, I don't think anything can ever be Duke Nukem forever. Yeah,
0: I would agree that in one respect, it is like Duke Nukem forever in as much as it has now at this point, it hasn't gone on as long as Duke Nukem forever. But it's been too long. Cycle. But even yeah. if there is a development cycle, you know what I mean? There's no, they haven't even confirmed so much as to say that anything is being worked on with regards to Half-Life 3. Like it is all just complete supposition on behalf of the internet. But what I will say is, much like Duke forever, it has gone on so long now that there is literally no physical way that it could ever live up to the expectations that have been set for now. So they might as well not do it.
1: Yeah, and it's I find it interesting, like, because um, I've never really read uh, any kind of fan fiction or theories on kind of where the story goes next, uh, which I figured would be like a really hot topic kind of uh, okay. subject. Irrifying. Well, there's... It, it's all just Valve made the game for us. It's never like... well. Know, I've never read about what people think actually well, happened. Well,
0: actually, it's funny you should say that, because in researching this story, I did find out that this week, um, releasing on Steam is um, a, a fan-made sequel to Episode 2. Like, it's not Half-Life 3, but it's uh, like a Half-Life story that's set presumably after ep- Half-Life 2, Episode 2, Millwall 1, and the... Kind of the hypothetical half life three um and valve have actually licensed it um I can't uh, even... that lazy, yeah, I know, I can't even think what the fucking game is called now, but it is coming out this week, um so like there is definitely still a community there that are very speculative and stuff like that, and look into any so- you know the fucking half life three confirmed meme that still kind of makes me laugh now as it gets sadder and sadder and sadder, but you gotta think, like <laughs> Mark, as much as you're like, is there anybody out there that's still? Believes and stuff like that. Think about the fucking Duke Nukem people. You know what I mean? There were still people, very few, but there were still people waiting around for that game. There were people waiting around for Chinese fucking democracy. March.
1: I, you just stole the fucking line from
0: me. <laughs> there's people waiting around for Chinese democracy. There were people waiting for Shenmue. You know what I mean? People will fucking wait for anything. So like, it does not surprise me that there's a big, especially with something that, like that was as critically acclaimed as Half Life at the time. Um, I it doesn't surprise me at all like if people wait around like the guts of two decades for fucking Duke Nukem like I would believe that you know there's nothing you can tell the Half-Life 3 confirmed people that um, it's never going to happen like Gabe, if, if Gabe Newell came out and just said look fuckers it's not happening they still won't believe him you know they'll think he's subverting it that he's going to oh he's going to surprise us Um,
1: it's a strange and beautiful world we live in it uh, is isn't it yeah like in five years time they'll just they'll hand the property over to like jj abrams and say yeah just do fucking do something with it
0: <laughs> do something anything with it um so the next news story uh i got a notification on my playstation during the week informing me that my hitman pre-order was cancelled um because uh... I, I threw down it was a 50 quid pre-order i think it was and i was really interested in i think this was why back do when you do this? i think what why, why do you do this dave I think we talked about this at the time, Mark, uh, when you were still on the show, before you went off uh, to China. And it was that, like, the main thing that was really pulling me in was, like, I was really interested in the model, which is, like, you go and pay, and it's less than the cost of a full game for SARS. They were doing that interesting strategy where they were going to charge less for it uh, digitally than they were physically, um, which is going to be an interesting thing. um, And we have a story about that coming up. Um, But... Uh, I liked the idea that there's a core game there that you play through you get to the end of it and then much like if you were a hitman you get kind of episodic missions handed. you get dossiers downloaded to you and stuff like that whereas you only pay yes for but it you're not actually plus. a hitman David yes I know it's games Mark it's immersion I just I like <laughs> the uh, when the hitman games are good they're very good I like I, I really like some of them um so I was pe- kind of... See,
2: Mark, when some people were in school, they were doing the strange thing in their hands.
0: Dave was doing the barcode in the back of his neck. Damn sharpening. right I was. Damn right. right. And that's not just because right. I really like Dark Angel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, a, that's a deep cut. There's a
0: fucking deep cut for you, Brian. Um, but References. now they cancelled everybody's pre-orders, so I got that notification in there. And uh, this was kind of the preamble to the announcement that Hitman is now going fully episodic. Um, which makes me think that they probably looked into the economics of what they were planning to do and going, no, 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 no. we can make way more money doing it fully episodic rather than getting everybody to pay once. Um, and There is still a kind of you can pay $60 now, I think, to get the whole game uh, with all these add-ons, but I think the way they're doing it now allows them to do, like, say, a Hitman Season 2 if we're to borrow the the telltale lingo for it. Um, do you have any feelings at all, Mark, about the, the Hitman franchise? Really? Uh, Did you ever play them much? No. Uh, I have a
1: feeling that Loki once dressed up as Agent 47 for a, a particular Wrestle Kingdom event and <laughs> then got fired
0: afterwards. That was fun. Um, like, I like them. It kind of. Um... It was this kind of like because I'm not it wouldn't really have appealed hugely to Brian because Brian not being a fan of stealth and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like it was the right amount, um, right mixture uh, right in with Metal Gear of uh, stealth and silliness, Um without going full kind of into stealth like because the one the, the the one of the big franchises from around that time that I never really got into because it was so like hardcore serious stealth was Splinter Cell, I never really played any of those games for very long. Um, like only maybe a few minutes at a time. My uncle used to buy them a lot, uh, but Hitman, like like I said, had the right amount of silliness that kind of kept me going through them, and I did really enjoy a few of those games. Um, now that they've changed it, I think I might, I'll probably wait till it comes out. Now, kind of consider it a bullet dodged, uh, and see what people think of it when it comes out.
2: I really like the Tim O'Leary film. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to remind everybody it was a thing that happened.
0: Fantastic. Um, Speaking of interesting price modeling for games, Amazon Prime in the United States are going to offer 20% off all new release games going forward. Um, So like I said, it's only for the US for now. But uh, Mark, we've had this discussion before about there's going to come a point where... It becomes more convenient to buy games online or, or digitally rather than going into your brick and mortar uh, kind of game stops and the like. Um, and there's going to be a a war of sorts that I suppose the consumer really will be the only winner in because of the be people trying to undercut each other on price so games may get even cheaper. Um, your thoughts on is this is this the first shot in what will become some sort of a small price war that makes things a bit better for us? I I I think
1: those shots have been fired for a while. Um, like, I don't think your your kind of brick and mortar store is is ever going
0: to go away. Like, well, yeah, the, finality. Yeah, the thing is, like, you still need somewhere to buy the fucking console.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, like, you, I, you have supermarkets. Do you know at this point? Um, yeah. Look at Dell. Yeah. Adele.
2: <laughs> no, n- not her. Uh, the Dell, Del. yeah, the
0: computer company. Look at them! You don't buy Dell in the shops anymore. Yeah, but also at the same time, I haven't seen someone with a Dell in a long time. Yeah. You
2: know, walk across the land in here,
1: man. Oh, you have it! <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, like the way things are going, I mean, your yeah, shops like game and stuff. They are just—they're kind of consistently shooting themselves in the foot, anyway. Um, so I think like uh, companies have been a bit kind of, they've wanted to push forward more uh, into the kind of territory we're getting into now uh, and I think they get to the point where you you um, shops like game unless you are kind of one of the big hitters with your Call of Duties or whatnot you can't really get your game on the shelf with enough visibility, so at this point it's like fuck it, I might as well just do it myself and just we'll, we'll say fuck them we'll put the price that we want we'll do it the way we want um because all the money that we pay for advertising or promotion to get our games on the shelf is not going to make any difference so i think that yeah this is definitely going to be um the way things go are going to be like going forward um and i can see i mean amazon is such a fucking juggernaut that uh, they can kind of do as they
0: please i'd say yeah and uh, as an amazon prime customer i can only hope it succeeds and comes here very soon um, because I would certainly like to save 20% on all my games
2: look all I have to say is everybody's seen wall yeah of <laughs> course cool. yeah by a large
0: corporation man <laughs> uh,
2: formerly known as Amazon I'm telling you
0: <laughs> you and your conspiracy theories Brian um, a game I'm kind of looking forward to this month I think it's gonna be the first game that I have a lot of fun with in 2016 that comes out uh, Lego Marvel's Avengers uh, has had their first two uh, two dlc packs announced it's kind of a bit, <laughs> a bit presumptuous to announce your first two dlc packs before the game even comes out but there's going to be um Up 2016 <laughs> to no one's surprise the first two uh packs are going to be uh based on last year's ant-man and this year's captain america civil war so there's um an exclusive level there's some new challenges and stuff like that and you're gonna to get to play as like the likes of uh a different Captain America, a different Iron Man, Black Panther, Winter Soldier, Falcon, War Machine, um, Ant Man. The one I really liked out of this whole thing, um, that you're going to be able to play as is Anthony, the flying ant from Ant Man. Uh, I really like that.
1: <laughs> I I do have a question for you, Dave, because yes. I know you're you're a fan of the Lego series. I yes. remember playing, um, I think the original Star Wars Lego game. Yes. And, uh, one of the Batman ones as well. Like, how have those games? Evolved mechanically over um, years. <sighs> and I do say that as a subtle jab but also with a kind of general intrigue to that question
0: um, there's still like there's still a really cool um, throwback to the kind of um, 3D platformers and, like the N64 era, era where it's like you know Banjo Kazooie and stuff like that where it's like a collectathon kind of thing where you know you yeah, collect yeah, all yeah. the things find all the secrets stuff like that so there's that element to it um, that kind of uh, I find really appealing and stuff like that and the real leap that was made so if we class kind of generation one of those Lego games as the kind of like the Star Wars one which like they were really cool at first but like at a certain point they were just like the same very short game uh, with different skins on them, which is fine, like because I really liked the first uh, Star Wars game and stuff like that. But by the time it got to, like I think, Lego Indiana Jones. Uh, I fucking loved the Lego Indiana Jones. But you see, I got that free with my Vita, and I was like, by the time I got to that, I was like, I'm burnt out on the games when they're this size. Um, but the one that really kind of brought me back to the franchise was one of the games I got on my PS4 when I got it, because uh, I traded in a mountain of my old PS3 games that I'd never play again, uh, was Lego Marvel uh superheroes the the first one and that is fucking great because not only is it the like the the stuff you like about the lego games not only is it a kind of like a cast of characters that i really like the marvel superheroes but on uh, and it still has that kind of you know the way it has those Lego games kind of have this self-referential wit where they're not afraid to poke fun at the source material kind of stuff um, like that's, yeah, I think it's a Norman Osborn jokes. Yeah, like that's that's still going on in there. Like, there's some great material with Deadpool in there in that game. Um, on top of that, then Lego Mar- Lego Marvel Superheroes was the one that actually turned the game into not the biggest one I've ever seen in a game, but like a sandbox where there was like this open environment to roam between like New York City, the up where the the X Mansion is as well, and what else? The Shield Helicarrier and a couple of other spots. And it Avengers was just tower. Yeah, and it was just like it, it's hard to explain exactly why, but when you're a Lego Iron Man and you can like free roam and just use your blasters to fly around New York City, uh it, it's pretty cool. It's like it's it's pretty fun. And it feels weird to say because it is Lego, but those games have gotten like visually a lot cooler. Uh with this generation uh, Lego Batman 3 I wasn't a huge fan of for vast majority of the game because I had been spoiled with the open environment of Lego Marvel superheroes and then by the time I got to Lego Batman 3 they're kind of vo- forcing you down a very linear path again in that and I didn't really like that but as it turns out like when I persevered and beat the game it opens up then into an open world like why couldn't you fucking do this from the start do you know what I mean because it would have been a great game if they'd done that from the start because I do like DC's universe as well but that and is the Wonder a f- Woman thing. That is a very long way of answering your question there, Mark. Those are the. Th- <laughs> yeah, I kind of zoned out halfway first. Sorry, yeah, no, those there's still That's plenty. But the jet lag minutes as well. There's Yeah, there's certainly. Um, when those games aren't done right, they are just like you're butting your head against the wall because it's just boring and it feels like every other kind of uh, subpar LEGO game. But when they're done right, when there's actually care and attention paid to them, which is why I've I put down, and I'm going to get this LEGO Avengers game because the LEGO Marvel game was so good, like I really loved it. it was the first game I ever platinumed um like and it wasn't because I wanted to platinum it it was because I, I I used the platinum as an excuse to keep playing it after I beat it because it was ju- it just felt like a lot of fun you know um going around with silver surfer or human torch or anything like that um yeah, a lot of fun Um, the final news story before we move on to our book club for this week um GTA's lead designer has left Rockstar. Dun, dun, dun. Les Benzies, president of Rockstar North has left the company um, he has been on sabbatical since uh, GTA 5 came out over a year and a half ago and has been with the company in the kind of uh, a lead producer's role since GTA 3 um, obviously I think it goes without saying Mark that uh, I think Rockstar are going to be just fine because they have all the money on the earth and some incredibly talented people still working for them but uh, considering that this man was like a real hardcore producer on games in the Grand Theft Auto series since GTA Three, and he's also had a really significant role in the Manhunt series, Red Dead Redemption, and L.A. War, um, what impact do you foresee not only on him leaving, but the fact that now I because he's not retired, so it's like this guy who has had a significant part in some of the best games we've played in the uh, the PS2 era and on. Um, now he's a free agent. So, uh, your your thoughts on this story?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, all good things must come to an end. But I, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of like the equivalent of Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles going to the WWE. You the, know,
0: the thing is, right, I'm so appreciative that now that Mark's back, the pro wrestling references can continue. But I know I can just see in my head how lost Brian is right now. <laughs> I was but, gonna.
2: Re- I was really trying to go and, and throw you guys a bone here because I was literally just trying to quickly Google and see so I could say, well, look, he's leaving Rockstar and leaving all these great franchises that we love. Maybe he's going to go work for Hideo Kojima. Oh, <laughs> but then, but then you went and went with the rest thing and now I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and eat some donuts. You guys can talk away.
1: <laughs> all I was going to say by that is that while it is um, a shame, like, the series, the GTA series, I feel like that's kind of gotten to the as far as it can go in that direction. And, you know, when you get to a point like that, it's good to kind of mix it up, get some new people in, do something different, give it um, a new direction to go in. So, yeah, it's a shame, but, you know, where something like this happens, you know, opportunities arise, and mm. And, and and new things can happen so
0: yeah it'll be interesting going forward because i think this is a year and i think a lot of people have echoed this kind of in talking about this story they're now anou- they're sh- they're probably going to announce something this year uh and i don't just mean what everybody uh, assumes is going to happen anyway and have and have like some uh, single player dlc for gta5 to get the ring the last few dollars out of that uh but i mean like they're going to announce what their next game is like even if it's just um kind of a trailer or just a title card or something like that I, I reckon by E3 we'll probably have a reasonable idea either they'll announce or it might leak um, Red Dead what they're going to be doing next and I think like yeah, Red Dead I think is the one people have their fingers crossed for um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'd just be happy if they did a, an, an HD version <laughs> to be honest I really want to play Red Dead Redemption again I get no, some man, I want Red Dead Erection that's what you'll have playing Red Dead Redemption. But, um, or, you know, Bully 2, whatever. I'll be happy with that. Uh, I don't think so much L.A. Noire too, because Didn't Don't I recall, Mark, didn't L.A. Noire pretty much bankrupt the studio that made it? Yep. Yeah. I think I recall Ain't something right. like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, the news for this week then. Um, so I think... Considering we don't have an Oriental Odyssey update, considering you're back, Mark, I think we'll just Hi!
2: <laughs> that is the update.
0: <laughs> that is the update. Mark's back. Way Anyhow. Mm-hmm. And we can find <laughs> we can finally put to bed the bumper music with Donald Trump.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did greatly enjoy that. Um so uh without further ado, let's move on to the book club for this week, and the book club is until dawn.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: First off, I got to say, I am super excited to welcome all my pals back to the annual Blackwood Winter Getaway.
0: Let's make this
2: one trip we will never forget.
0: Until Dawn is an interactive drama survival horror adventure video game developed by Supermassive Games and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation 4. It was originally scheduled to be released on the PlayStation 3 and feature PlayStation Move support, but in August 2014, the game was reintroduced as a PlayStation 4 exclusive and was released worldwide in August 2015. Until Dawn was met with a positive critical response upon release... release. Uh, with praise directed at the visuals, choice mechanic, horror elements, music, characters, voice acting and gameplay design. Most of the criticism the game drew concerned the second half of the story, the camera angles, character movement and the game's partially partially linear plot. Um, This was a real dark horse um, in terms of Game of the Year because it's something we literally only played in the days preceding uh, our Game of the Year recording. But I think I can speak on behalf of myself and Brian. Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. But through the course of what was only really like six, maybe seven hours at a push of a playthrough from start to finish, uh, we were consistently blown away by that game. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not like, I love um, schlocky horror movies. And I love horror video games when they're done right, which is so very rare, especially nowadays um so i was kind of even with people saying how fantastic the game was i still was kind of tempering my expectations um and especially when i heard comparisons being drawn to the the kind of the david cage ilk of kind of it's not a game as much as it is an interactive movie um i was kind of particularly um apprehensive when i heard that but um yeah, it's, like, it's really good. It's got a, like, if we're going to start off somewhere, um, one of the things that uh, completely blew my mind about it at first was it's got a hell of a voice cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I don't mean, like, you know, your usual, like, your Troy Bakers and stuff like that, who are fantastic and everything like that, but they actually got proper, kind of, people from outside... Uh, the video games industry, quote-unquote, to do it.
2: Let's just just go there. They got Peter fucking Stormare.
0: They got Peter Stormare is pretty great. And much like you expect from Peter Stormare, he has a funny accent and weird facial hair. Uh, And I think, like, if he appears in something and doesn't have both of those things, it's very strange. If not Um,
2: Peter Stormare, it's an imposter.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's got Peter Stormare. uh, Hayden Panettiere, best... uh, Still probably best known as um, the cheerleader from Heroes... Uh, or being known as um the the mother of Vladimir Klitschko's child now. Um and Remy Malek who not I'd say would be the, of the three heavy hitters there would be by far the least famous, but he won a lot of plaudits this year for a series I dearly loved um Mr. Robot. He I was did
2: a big part in The Pacific.
0: Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. God, I forget that. I I tried to forget The Pacific.
2: Yeah.
0: Um But, yeah, like, he's, like, because he is absolutely fucking brilliant um, in Mr. Robot as a man becoming completely untethered from reality, which I suppose isn't a million miles off what he's doing in this movie, (laughs) or movie, game. Um... Brian you're a kind of guy like when I play horror games and I've said this multiple times on the show before like horror games don't really like with the exception of Silent Hill 2 back in the day and I think maybe it's because of Silent Hill 2 absolutely getting inside my head and freaking me out to the extent where the bar is set so high now that I don't even flinch
2: your terror center in your brain is just burned out
0: man. it is it's completely fucking burned out from that game and you'll understand because believe me Brian the, the playthrough of that of uh, Silent Hill 2 that we're going to do is not far off um, I will wait until Mark can witness it in person, perhaps. Because uh, the other thing I should mention as part of this review, one of the reasons I rate it so highly is that, Mark, you have no idea what an entertaining spectacle it is to watch Brian play scary games.
1: Well, it's one of the reasons I'm coming over.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, it is like, there were over a half dozen moments throughout the playthrough whether it was me playing it or I find it better when Brian is actually controlling the characters he gets even more immersed and scared Uh, but there were moments where I was concerned I was concerned for the condition of my ceiling uh, because he may have jumped clean through it at a certain point Um, but Brian if you want to talk for a second about uh the the atmosphere which is one of my favorite things about the game the the atmosphere creates because i think like like i've said again before on the show multiple times i think with a horror game if you can nail the atmosphere the rest is just window dressing really the atmosphere is the most important part
2: yeah well i mean like it the thing about this game is that it obeys the one cardinal rule of anything in a horror genre the scariest thing is not necessarily what happens
0: it's what could happen it's the dread it's uh, the
2: potential for terror is the most terrifying thing you're walking around and you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if there's going to be a jump scare is this going to be a jump scare is this leading to a jump scare oh my god It's totally leading to a jump scare there's going to be a jump scare here now oh my god there's no jump scare that just means a jump scare is going to be in a minute yeah you know i mean that's that's what i you know Dave, that's what i sound like playing yeah, games like this it really is um,
0: one of the most unnerving moments in Brian's life, uh, Mark, was the opening scene uh, in the bathosphere in the original Bioshock. Because uh, what Brian hates, well, what Brian is scared of more than anything else in video games is being unarmed or underarmed against uh, an enemy he can't see.
2: Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Just that scene in the bathosphere, and it's like, is it someone new? And it's trying to get in, and you're in there, and it's like, okay, there's got to be something here. When do Give me the prompt to rip a pipe off the wall. I need. To, it's gonna. It's coming in here. It's gonna get me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every goddamn time I play that game. Um. Yeah. But, like with with this, it's it's like, it's just constantly tense. And I mean, the setup, the like, they t- like in the game, they take you through the first kind of the the prologue where they show you kind of how they interact with the game. Yeah, how actually, I, what
0: I should say, actually, before we go any further, is that uh, mild spoilers ahead. We're, we won't talk about the end or any twists or anything like that, but we will kind of mention some threads about the characters and stuff like that. So uh, take it away there, Brian.
2: So, like, they, they take you through kind of like a prologue whereby you, you play through a, what you think is the start of the game, but it's just, in fact, as I say, the prologue, where you kind of, you get used to, it's like they're dropping you in the deep end, and then afterwards they say it's okay, Uh that was just a test. But um, you know how to interact with kind of the make the choices. The whole the whole thing here is the, is the the butterfly effect idea, whereby choices you make will have knock on consequences, and
0: it, as well as like like Mark, you were talking earlier on about um Telltale Games, and you I'm correct in saying your your major gripe with them is that like with regards you don't feel that you get the impression that your choices are making a significant impact on proceedings. Yeah, that was kind of going to be actually be um, something I was going to ask about with this game. So do go on. Not only do the choices you make have um, significant effects on what will happen, but they're also, to say the least, Brian, some of them are slow burners. Yeah, um, like like there, uh, there are these things in the game. The, one of the mechanics are these little totems that you find, and there's five different kinds of totems, and they can, depending on the color, they tell you different things. Like one of them, one type of totem will predict a character's death. One will predict danger ahead, possibly an opportunity in which someone might die if they make the wrong choice. Um, another would be something that like um, could be of benefit to a character, something like that, right? And what you get is like real kind of. Um, brief glimpses where unless you are paying 100% attention and even then you might not understand the situation until it's already too late Um, but you make choices that don't pay off for a couple of hours and then when they do you're like oh fuck that is like and the
2: hints come out of sequence as well because when we discovered that that we got a two death ones and the first one we found predicted something that did I think come to pass later in the game but the one we found after that predicted something before us.
0: Yeah. And in addition to these kind of prophecies that will influence how you may feel about making choices, on top of that, um, the one key thing, and it's one of the unique selling points of this game, uh, Mark, and this will make you feel really better if you like a game where you feel your decisions matter. Yeah. Any one of the characters can die at any time. There are multiple opportunities for each character to die. Not you can complete the game with just one alive you can complete the game with all of them alive there is kind of um how should i put this the only objective of the game is to make it until dawn right through this one night mm-hmm. and like i said there is so many opportunities where like not only if you make the wrong decision your character could die but you it because you know that could happen because and because, you know, there's not necessarily an order in which the characters will die, like, if I replay the game from the start now, even though the kind of the narrative, the main narrative going throughout the game will be roughly the same, um, I know that I can't just go, well, this is the character that died or was in danger of dying first... So
2: it's, it's not obvious. The choices to make are not yeah. simple binaries. It's not obvious how you would achieve the opposite result.
0: But the fear of your character getting killed really informs the decisions you make. And like some of them, some of them though, Brian, in fairness, like are relatively straightforward. But there was one particular one, um and I did sp- I did talk about it on the Game of the Year podcast. So I've already given that one away that I will mention. Right, there's one I saw a Totem in which, um, a character. Lost fingers in a bear trap. Right? So anytime... And I knew it was a male. So that leaves it down to three. Right? Three of your characters. So I knew at some point there was going to be some sort of choice... That may end up with me getting my fingers cut off. So I played through for a couple of hours. And anytime... Because there was a couple of occasions, Brian, if you recall... Mm. Where I thought... This was, this was it. The bear trap was going to be hidden here. There's one particular one with a picnic bench where there's like a picnic bench and the snow all on top of it. And it's like, clear off the picnic bench or don't clear off the picnic bench. And I didn't because I was like, no, bear trap, aha. And then later on, I make a choice to investigate something in a building somewhere later on, a building that Brian really didn't care much for in the kind of scared <laughs> of the way. And Brian was out for a smoke at the time. Brian came back in. <laughs> he said, how did it go? And I said, I lost two fingers because it came ab- <laughs> yeah. it came absolutely out of nowhere but um Cause you thought
2: like, you, you thought you'd outdunk it.
0: yeah and yeah that's the thing like you're constantly trying to stay one move ahead of the game but the game is playing an entirely different game <laughs> <laughs> do you? You know what I mean? It, you don't understand the levels on which You're this game playing is ahead checkers, of You. The
2: game is playing chess. Yeah, basically
0: Simple as that. Yeah, like, and not only that, back- but n- not only do your choices affect, like, because you'll control one character at a time, obviously, and not only the choices you make as character A affect character A's uh, timeline, but they also could have a knock-on effect and kill one or more of the other characters uh, at any time again. Because, like, there are so many opportunities for what could be perceived as danger. Like, we don't know just exactly how many opportunities there were for each character to die.
2: We've no yeah. idea how close yeah. you came, so you're just assuming every time you're, you're a hair spread from death.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Guanya. So, yeah?
1: Sorry, well, I mean, what I was going to ask is, um, obviously, this is a game that um, is looking for kind of replayability or replay value. Because you want to play through the game Not different really. ways to...
0: Um, see well, uh, well well to a certain extent yes like i think um like you're not gonna the the huge amount of kind of like the the actual story like the narrative as to what is happening like the loose the loose the loose kind of idea about the game is that when you play through the prologue you play as a bunch of people who are just kind of like early college age we'll say uh who are all gathering up at a log cabin in the winter uh they're all having a great time um Two of the girls that are there's there, a prank. Yeah, two of the girls that are there are twin sisters, and the kind of nerdier of the two sisters, denoted by the fact that she's the one of the two that wears glasses, um, they play a prank on her and she gets really upset and runs off into the woods. The other sister chases her, and they both end up falling uh through a hole into a cavern and um, everybody's we devastated, don't know what but to them after that. yeah, everybody's devastated by this. You see them fall and get dashed on the rocks in the cavern, and then it kind of—that's the end of the prologue. Then, so the actual main thrust of the game carries on a year later, where they've mourned the death of the two sisters and kind of the brother, who's played by Remy Malek, invites everybody back up to kind of remember them and kind of like get a fresh start on life, back up at the same cabin. Um
2: even though they never found their bodies
0: yeah so like the what happens is uh, over the course of the game that that particular narrative doesn't really change just the kind of the key players that survive to tell that story will be what changes and i'm sure there are kind of interesting different ways that uh, kind of uh, permutations on who plays what role going forward like and there's interesting dynamics within the group as well that will because Brian as well uh, particularly in the early part of the game before we kind of just focused on trying to keep everyone alive Brian was trying to play into each character because each of them has a different kind of horror movie trope character and there are it was really decisions... hard to get out of that. Yeah, there are certain decisions that you know are probably best to try and make your character survive. And then, as Brian pointed out as well, there are great decisions to make that you think that character would actually make. Uh, if you wanted to try and play out the well, narrative of the horror get... movie. Um, And there are also, like, it's really cool at kind of playing into and subverting horror movie tropes as well. Like, the whole, like, there was so many occasions on which there was an option to go and search for something by yourself. With myself and Brian, constantly as avid horror movie viewers, were like, "No," because if you separate from the crowd in a horror movie, that means you're going to die. And even though we kept that system of staying paired throughout the game, I think was it our body count was two.
2: Two, yeah. Um, like lost one fairly early on. Um, um I I can't say about a third, but half it, true. But we lost one just at the very end because I fucking held that controller still, man. I fucking did that. Did not move that controller. But yeah. um, we lost we lost another character towards the but end. As, but as as like, it turns um, out
0: Brian that character I'm not going to give it away but that character I have heard so many people uh who have reviewed that game at at the time it came out and I remember them saying like I saved everybody except one right at the end. So I'm assuming it was the exact same one that we lost. But um yeah and like, not put, only that but like this, there are also times where you can come back um you can a character can be presumed dead, much like in a horror movie. They're left in a situation where, like, oh, they must be dead. But again, if you are a horror movie fan, you go unless they're killed on screen in front of me. You should always doubt that they're dead because they could come back later. So there is always moments like at times we thought our body count was as high as four, um, and things yeah, like that. Then there was also I think that the structure of the narrative is great because what they do is between the the hour it starts, which is like say ten o'clock at night or something like that, and the dawn. At 7am. They break it into hourly episodes. And each mm. episode is. Like it's given a different title. Like malevolence is one of them. And stuff like that. But they're kind of uh, split up by scenes. With Peter Stormare. Who is this um, psychiatrist called Dr. Hill. And he's interviewing someone sitting in a chair. Presumably someone that's involved. In whatever murdery business. Is going on up on the mountain. Um, and those scenes uh, I don't want to give too much away but they get very grim and very strange Um, and as well what they kept doing and I thought this was an interesting thing because it was something that um, I remember reading years ago that uh, Silent Hill was going to try with some of its later iterations was the idea of constantly testing you to try and understand the things you're scared of and tweak the game accordingly remember we got in trouble
2: for not uh, being true to what we said yeah so what um, what happened was
0: yeah go on yeah
2: no, I play, I played through, initially uh, did one of the first kind of sections with Dr. Hill where you, you basically end up telling them the things that you're scared of from choice he offers you, And then I immediately handed it over to Dave to play the next level. And then we went back to Dr. Hill and he gave out Sting to us for not being yeah. scared of the things, you know, for yeah. not making choices that reflected that I was scared of the yeah. things happening because it was Dave playing.
0: Yeah. And he's not scared, the I, as I'm scared yeah, of the am Yeah, I was able to play. So I made decisions like because Brian put in things like... um. What was it? Uh, gore, you... needles, the supernatural. Yeah, needles, needles, uh, and the supernatural were the two that I remember. Like there were choices that involved and more. Ne- needles and the supernatural, and gore, and there was rats as well and clowns. Uh, yeah. Which you think like that's those are weird kind of disparate things to ask me. Am I afraid of them? Um, offered in a choice with something else similar. Um, like cause I think the the one with for clowns was like, are you more afraid of clowns or scarecrows? Um so you're like oh that's kind of weird but then like situations come up and obviously the game had decided based on how calmly I was responding to those situations that I mustn't have actually been scared that in the game's mind I was trying to cheat the test so yeah we got a cutscene with Peter Stormare where he's basically like fuck you I know you're not scared tell me what you're actually scared of you know and then gives us a kind of a more difficult and nuanced choice then Mm. um so like yeah, it, it really kind of um, in terms like, of like horror games I have played in recent years, like it did a lot of things like that where I was like, "That's pretty fucking cool."
2: Like the the way I've been kind of like I've been running over kind of a, a a descriptive comparison for the game, kind of uh, what I've been talking about, and for a little bit, and it's kind of in terms of the way it's it's such a kind of a complex and balanced and nuanced interplay of choices and causation and and that like I kinda of thinking is it kind of fair to say it's like the Rolls Royce of you know telltale games in a way like
0: yeah kind of it's like um it's like if you took the interactive movie elements uh of a David Cage game. See, I think and, that. But what I mean is you took the best of those elements and you put that kind of you cross that with the the choice mechanic of a telltale games but it's a much more intuitive choice dynamic that certainly much more distinctly pays off uh, based and on how you subtle. choose yeah you put those two things together that's basically what Until Dawn is and actually mix it with uh, Cabin in the Woods yeah um, it's it, like it really is fantastic and like that's just talking about the narrative and the actual gameplay but uh, talk to us for a second Brian because I know you have specific notes about the visuals
2: Oh, it's a very pretty game. Uh, like, I mean, it, it's clearly a huge amount of effort has gone into it. You know, the the graphics design and that, the 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 dot ma- dot matrix and top mapping of the faces and that. Like, like it's recognisably Remy Mar- uh, Malik. It's recognisably Peter Stormare pretty recognisably hidden, Uh there's a little bit of element of kind of uncanny valley kind of more so when they speak around the movement of the mouth like Peter Air is almost perfectly Peter Air until he speaks and then his mouth doesn't move like Peter Air's at all but you know you forgive it a bit because there's so much effort and like the like the vistas like when you're up because it's up in the mountains when you're up looking at the mountains and that and like the snowy wilderness and everything and it is really high quality some of the movement as well kind of a, a little bit uncanny valley-ish a little bit but, like, that's real nitpicking.
0: Yeah. Uh, what about the asses, Brian? Oh, damn asses, man. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, let me put it like this. Everything I just said, everything nitpicked, they, they must have put put their heart and souls into <laughs> digitally crafting those CGI butts, man. I, and, like I this mean, is the moment I
1: need to leave this podcast.
2: Not just the lady butts now, the dude butts too. Uh, like, you know, gender equality, those butts <laughs> are shapely as fuck and move almost like real ones so natural
0: there was so much ass commentary going through this playthrough it was fucking I regretted so dearly between Brian jumping out of his skin scared and then talking about realistic ass physics <laughs> I just regret not placing a microphone uh, in front of us when we were doing that playthrough uh, but i learned for next time I suppose
2: and then they make Hayden Penedier's character put on yoga pants
0: for no reason <laughs> it was just you yeah. know um yeah, so that's kind of, like, is there any other question you had for us, Mark, about this game? Like, it certainly is. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it. Like, I was thinking about trading it in, but I think I'm going to hold on to it and, like, maybe...
2: Uh, Give it, like, a couple
0: of months and have another playthrough. Yeah. I, like, play through it with you, Mark, and kind of, um, like, see if I can pursue that platinum and things like that. Um,
1: yeah, I'd, I'd be fine to see that in action. Is this something... Um... Where I presume not necessarily with the, these characters, but they could take this format uh, and do like another uh, yeah, we, game similar.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about this at the time, like uh, because uh, Supermassive the the game really exceeded expectations for Supermassive and for Sony. Um, so they kind of, without effectively confirming it, they have said that they're looking into the possibilities of this as a franchise. Um, which to me makes a lot of sense because it was like it's a like I said it's a brief enough game. Like if you could beat that game in six hours, like you could beat it in in like it would be a great game for like like say the three of us to get together some night and just go ah oh, look we will get a couple of beers, some junk food, and play through until dawn and just kind of. Like we, myself and Brian, were doing every hour when it switches to the next chapter or episode, we just switch controller to the next person yeah. and get through. It. And it's like it's a lot of fun. Like there's a lot of because like with any horror movie, like there's a lot of fun laughing at the different tropes or talking about your favorite horror movies and interesting conversations that come out of kind of what choice should I pick? Because some of the choices have a really short timer on you having to like uh, pick which one you want to do. Like when you're being pursued or when you're trying to find somebody, something like that. Um but then other ones are like they give you as much time as you need to kind of agonize about which choice you need to make. Yeah. Um so it's I think like, like an interesting it's... and fun evening could be had. But to answer your question directly, um whereas like you said, there are certain because any character can die and like a lot of people might get it on and there's like one character left. Because of that kind of the amount of different permutations you can have, you can't really do a direct sequel. Not that I can see anyway. But uh, what I will say is I could easily see this, and I said this to Brian at the time, I could easily see this becoming like an anthology thing. um, Where it's the same kind of idea under the same umbrella but done slightly differently like maybe change the setting change the characters but you know it's an until dawn game the mechanic of the choices and that anybody can die at any time and the having to survive a night somewhere
2: but like this you don't know whether they have yet to make a decent alien game
0: yeah this is it well alien isolation is apparently very good uh, just just about six hours too long
2: yeah, uh, what you do is if you took like not, not aliens now but the actual tone of alien one yeah and if you took took this game put it on the Mastromo and put it with Ridley and the rest of the crew flawless it'll work perfectly yeah,
0: you, you could basically do this in any sort of like horror movie setting and um, like if it's if they take the care and the time they did to uh, like craft this story and the diff- and the impact and the of the choices you make and the butts uh, it could actually be a very successful series and become a real like it's not going to sell like Uncharted or anything like that but it could become a real kind of like sleeper uh, success and
1: the the other question um now graphically and kind of presentation wise it looks like a triple a 40 pound game yeah but the mechanics and the 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 length of it do you feel that is
0: justified in the price uh if you would ask me beforehand i would have said no but if you asked me afterwards i would say yes and the reason for that is because I have spent as much or more money on games this year I haven't enjoyed half as much. True. Uh, Fair we paid a 10 or more than that for the order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think Brian's thoughts on that game are well documented on this show. Uh, I've I've been made very clear on them. Yeah. Um and like I you know I, there's a reason I threw it into the game of the year category. Uh like I don't to a certain extent I don't re- like if you're going to charge full price for a game you're going to charge a little bit less because this was a little bit less than a full price game Um, if you're going to charge that much I don't c- length of game doesn't bother me
2: when it's that much quality in yeah. the experience like,
0: like I said when we talked about the order originally when myself and Brian got it um, the length of the game the fact that it was five or six hours long wouldn't have hacked me off half as bad if the fucking five or six hours like flew by and was an amazing experience but it wasn't that was the problem um the fact like there is enough consistent entertainment fun horror all you're looking for from that game packed into that nice, tight little bundle and sometimes in like in a year twenty fifteen and now twenty sixteen where like I'm looking at my shelf here right now, and I've got. Metal Gear Solid which is apparently a 100 150 hour game. I've got Witcher 3 which is a 200 hour game that uh, even if I somehow manage to be immortal, may never finish 100%. Um Fallout 4, things like that, hundreds and hundreds of hours of games. Sometimes it's fucking refreshing to get a game that you can beat in an evening. That's a fun thing to play with friends. But at you know the same I mean? time when I can't you're I can't see any of us sitting down and passing the controller as we play fallout 4 not to pick on fallout 4 but even the witcher or metal gear solid i passing it between each other for five or six hours where we would have half as much fun as much fun as i have with all those games it is a, like this is kind of like a horror movie it's a it's a game where you spend the money and you get together with a few friends some popcorns some junk food some beers and you have a fucking blast playing it
2: and on top of that as well like for all that it, it's finished in six hours and you finish it in an evening there are times like in a horror movie when you're trapped down a mine shot and there's weird noise and you don't know what path to take when you think that dawn will never come
0: yeah in fairness um, like it just it really is like it's one of those like I said I don't really if your game is six hours or if your game is 60 hours it doesn't matter once I'm like I will give it the plaudits and it will be worth my money if I'm consistently entertained for the length of that game um, I also don't think on the other side of things, like if you're to look at kind of uh, play Devil's Advocate and say, well, maybe it should have been longer. I don't think that game would work half as well if it was twice as long. Nope. You know what I mean? Like if it was a full kind of length of say an Uncharted or something like that, like a twelve-hour campaign or sixteen-hour campaign. I don't think it would work. I don't think that's... I think that's too long. The tension will break eventually. Do you yeah, know what they I mean?
2: Either can't, they either couldn't ma- wouldn't be able to
0: maintain the tension or you'd get burned out playing it. Yeah. Um. So, like, I think really for what it's trying to do and for what it is, it is actually the perfect length. Like, it isn't... I didn't feel it was too short and I certainly didn't feel it was too long. It is the right amount where I had a blast and I feel like I would be absolutely delighted if at E3 this year they say they're working on... A new, seer, a new kind of game in the franchise. Um, I'm like, I would be, day one, I would be buying Until Dawn 2 or whatever it would be called. Until Dawn in space. <laughs> Until Donner. Uh, does that answer any questions you may have, Mark? Uh, I... Clean everything up I could have possibly asked all there. Excellent. Um, So I suppose then it's time to start wrapping things up. Before we do, um now in pre-production we talked about uh myself and brian talked about a particular game that maybe brian was going to pick to start us off but i was thinking seeing as you're back mark seeing as uh you're going to be a consistent feature in this podcast going forward i was wondering if you'd like to um call an audible here and maybe suggest uh to mark your return the first book club feature of 2016 for us Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot like that. I was you. thinking maybe yeah. like that, There's yeah. a cu- there's a couple I really want to do that I've been saving for when we can actually do let's plays the three of us together in a one room. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there's a few I have, and I must actually tell you off air the list because I don't want to spoil it. Okay. But enough. um, I was wondering, is there something you want to do? Because like this is obviously your forte, much more than uh, certainly Brian's and uh, me as well. Uh, considering you were the man of a YouTube video where you played through uh, Sega Mega Drive games in alphabetical order.
1: Uh, Hi there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, that's, that's
0: you're, you are way more rooted in kind of um, older games than, than we are. Um, so maybe you wanted to drag us back from... This game was, in fairness, uh, less than six months ago. Uh, so it is, pr- <laughs> it is probably about as recent as any book club feature is ever going to get on this show, considering we started off as kind of a games from the past sort of uh, idea. So, is there anything you can think of, uh, Mark, that you'd like us to uh, do for next week? Um, I tell you what.
1: How about uh... drum roll? I'm need... not gonna go like <laughs> we need way... Jack
0: here with his sound effects. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: true. I'm not gonna go way, 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 way back, but I'll take yeah. us back to I think it would be '96. How about we uh, look at? I tell you the original but
0: we can kind of look at that first trilogy uh let's have a look at crash bandicoot
2: yes i
0: actually uh do you know what I, there was two games in my head that i thought you were going to say when i was thinking early to mid 90s because uh, I, I just zoned out on what exact year you said when you said mid to late 90s or early to mid 90s and i was like if it's crash brian's gonna be very happy so uh yeah cool the crash bandicoot trilogy then it is for next week so I suppose without further ado, uh we'll wrap this bad boy up. Um check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com slash link to the cast, twitter.com forward slash link to the cast. Um we are what else are we on? Twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast. Um to get our YouTube because fuck YouTube and their custom URL policy um just check out uh, the show notes for this and you'll see the description for our YouTube channel. Uh on Twitter I am at Dave Ryan Ivy. Uh Mark is at Lithium Project and Brian is at Cargan, C-A-R-G-I-N 4107. Um and I think that's pretty much it also you know the website to com. fucking idiot I really need at some point I'm going to need to actually write out the plugs for the end of the show because I do this off the top of my head every week and forget at least one thing every single time Um, but anyway uh, for this week and for the first podcast of 2016 uh, for Link to the Cast I have been Dave Ryan the man to my virtual left has been Brian McNamara
2: Good night, everybody
0: and the returning conquering hero uh, to my digital right has been Mark Robinson. Good night. God bless. (laughs) And good night and good luck.